Hey, Fedheads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. This is episode number 185. We're going to be smoking the E.P. Carrillo Encore, which is, of course, the Cigar Aficionado's number one cigar of 2018. Uh, so we're looking forward to giving this thing a shot. We'll be back with all the details, and uh, we'll get pairing in just a moment. So grab yourself a cigar, grab yourself a drink, and let's get pairing. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, feels good to be back. We're back from the Dominican Republic. Uh, I mean, we had a we had a fun week. We'll talk about that at some point, maybe next week or something. We'll we'll talk about it on Cigar Chat. Uh, just because today we got stuff to talk about. Um, like I said in the intro, well, actually, before I get to that, I'm your host Trip, as always, uh, and we're broadcast. I'm broadcasting from the Fedhead West Studio. Uh, with my co-host Dennis over at Fedhead Fedhead East. As always, we are live on Facebook, available as a podcast once in a while. Derek, I'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, and of course, as always, broadcast around the world, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Dennis, how are you this evening? I'm good, man. I'm. You know, you said it's good to be back, and I. It is good to be back, but at the same time, I, I do kind of wish we stayed for another, you know, a couple of months or so. Yeah, another. That'd have been great. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would have been nice. Though. Yeah, man, and I'm st- I'm still adjusting to the cold. Going going from really high humidity, right? great weather to like I feel like I'm falling apart. My body's dying all over again. Yeah, it took I, I it took a few days cold. to adjust to the heat, right? I'm getting cold very easily these days. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll only last another day or two. I mean, we've only been home for what like three days. A couple days hasn't been very long. All right, so we're smoking the EP Carrillo. Man, I just I'm out of practice, huh? The EP Carrillo Encore. I love the band on this thing. I hadn't really looked at it up close until until we, I grabbed this to smoke it. Um, so I'll talk about the details of the cigar a little bit here before we get started, um, and and before I get your thoughts on it. Uh, this is the EP Carrillo Encore. The size we're smoking is the Majestic, which is a five and three eighths by fifty two. Um, one thing that's really interesting. There was a lot of talk about this, of course, at the Pro Cigar Festival. Um, my wife's giving me tips through text. Uh, th- there was a lot of talk about this on the at the Pro Cigar Festival, um, where they, you know, it got number one cigar of the year. So there was a whole like the last night they did a standing ovation for Ernesto. Um, it was in fact in one of the boxes. They auctioned off a humidor that had one uh, ten of each size in it. Um, I think that humidor went for like forty grand too. Um, and, you know, it, it, there was a lot of talk about it, and people are very proud that three years in a row it's been a Dominican cigar. Uh, the thing I find really interesting about that is that while this is made in the Dominican Republic, every tobacco in this cigar is shipped over there from Nicaragua. Ain't that something, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, not, not to uh, toot the horn of Nicaraguan tobacco, but I, in my opinion, it's generally speaking better. Um, I just it just hits my palate a little better, which so far is uh, going well with this cigar. The MSRP in these guys is about eleven fifty. Um, depending on which size you get, it could be a little bit more than that. I think this is just about the smallest size uh, that they released, uh, and that's that's about it for the details. Yeah, so I just was just confirming this is the smallest size, so it goes from about eleven fifty to twelve fifty, uh, and they come in boxes of ten. Um, of course. That's if you're able to find them. This is not currently an easy-to-find cigar because, I mean, it's the number one cigar of the year. It happens every single year. The cigar of the year is just sold out everywhere. What do you think of this cigar so far, Dennis? I'm surprised by how much smoke it's putting out. It's a, it's really insane. That, and I'm getting this really intense mushroom quality from it immediately, right off the bat. 
retro hail is that like it's spicy, but it's it's more of that mushroom earthiness. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. At first, I was thinking you're crazy, but I think I actually see what you mean. Well, I am kind of crazy. There is like this this weird like almost vegetal note to it, along with like a you know what? I would describe it as you know that's not a good descriptor. I was gonna call it musty, but that just sounds bad. That doesn't sound like a good thing. Um, but it is, I, I guess it is kind of a mushroomy note. Uh, but then there's also some like dry earth. Um, when I say dry earth, it reminds me of like kind of sandy dirt. I know it sounds crazy, but that's that's what I taste. Um, and then a ton of black pepper in this guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it stays. You retrohale this cigar and it really stays in there. That spice just kind of lingers on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the retrohale on this is, is very intense. Um, and even on the palate, there's a lot of spice to deal with. Um, it's spicier. It's like kind of a spice bomb now that I'm thinking about it. Like, and this every, is really every... not a classic Dominican, right? It doesn't. It doesn't no, have no, those no. softer qualities of a, of a Dominican cigar that we're used to. Yeah, I feel like every puff I take, it gets a little bit more intense. Um, any any other comments before we we get into the pairing thing here? <clears throat> I'm liking it so far. Um, just to give a little bit of backstory on the cigar, obviously an encore is kind of the. Um, the song after the show that's usually a big deal. And I don't know precisely how it ties into the cigar. I haven't been able to figure out the logic behind that. Because um, I'm, I'm assuming this isn't Ernesto's last cigar or anything like that. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, he, he's had a lot of uh, music-inspired cigar names and themes over the years. Uh, it was originally kind of announced in 2016. And... It just kind of never ended up coming out until mid twenty eight or early twenty eighteen, I guess. It came out about a year ago, last March, um, and then of course in December it won number one for uh, Cigar Aficionado, which as we we talk about it every year, how Cigar Aficionado, um, a lot of people think that Cigar Aficionado is not a big deal. They're just like, oh well, that's just a list. But that list is a buying guide for a lot of people who don't typically smoke cigars. Um, and those people who don't typically smoke cigars, there's a lot more of those people than they are than there are of us who smoke cigars every day. There's a lot of the guys who um, the only cigars that they buy every year is a box or two of the number one, and then they smoke those throughout the year, and the next year they just buy whatever's number one again. Um, there's a lot of people that do that. So it has a huge influence on the market because it ends up being the cigar that everybody wants to try and becomes a lot of people's regular cigar just because, you know, the prestige, I guess, of having what was uh, deemed number one by Cigar Aficionado. So whether or not you think it's a big deal, it always is in the marketplace. Um, and I'm always curious to try it. The last couple of years have been weird. Um, as I mentioned before, the, this is the third Dominican-made cigar in a row. Um, previously, it was, what was it last year? The Eye of the Shark? Is that what one last year? I think that was year last year. Andalusian, Andalusian? yeah. I, don't, I feel like I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am. You know how that goes. All right, I'm going to pour my first pairing here since I forgot to do that. Um, yeah. It's a nice bottle. Oh, yeah. You know it. And I will talk about it right now. Uh, so this is – actually, you know, before I talk about it, I should just briefly mention that debonair contest that we had. Uh, so we did a couple of live mini episodes. They were a little shorter than we expected, partially because we didn't have the timers that we're used to, the setup we're used to. And uh, time just ended up going by a little bit. Um, but anyway – we did a contest, and uh, it was for the Debonair House, Debonair slash Indian Motorcycle, uh, and I picked a winner right before the show here. I just did a little randomizer and picked uh, the it 
the number that came up was number three, which turned out to be Bob Langmade. So Bob Langmade, if you're watching, send me an email. If you're not, I'll message you after the show um, to uh, get your address so we can get those prizes sent out. So my first pairing is Plantation XO. Uh, I've talked before about how this is – rum has a deceiving name. Um, and I think – yeah, the, the brand that makes this is Barbados Rum. There's a lot of really interesting things about this. First of all, it, it says right there – see it? 20th. 20. Uh, this is not a 20-year-old rum. Um, it's just an extra old rum. They don't have an age statement or anything like that. Um, though they, they do kind of give you an idea of how old it is. It comes in this nice bottle with kind of the, I don't even know what to call this, palm leaf, banana leaf, whatever it is. Um, the really interesting thing about this rum is that it gets aged twice. And those two agings happen in very different places. Um, it actually... It could be older than 20 years. It could be a little younger. It just depends on how long they age it, you know, um, and how it's blended, just the way that rum works. So the, the first aging happens in Barbados. This is a Barbados-made rum. They age it for 8 to 15 years. In Barbados, the angel share is about 7% per year, which is a ton of oh, yeah. spirit, especially when you're talking about 15 years. Um, I mean, at, at 15 years, you're losing close to if not a little bit more than 50 percent of what you put into the barrel but obviously what that does is it concentrates the flavors um, because the liquids evaporate the alcohols and the water evaporate but the solid matter that makes up the flavor and the color can't actually evaporate so that's part of the reason that it's got this dark color once it's aged for 8 to 15 years and they feel like it's ready uh, they send it over to france of all places and age it for another two to ten years they the indicate the implication is that they are aging uh you know a bunch of different barrels and then they are doing what most distilleries do and blending them together at the end so some of the stuff in there might be two years some of the stuff in there might be 10 years it's unlikely that you're getting all 25 year aged rum but you could be getting you know a good portion of 25 year aged rum and then another portion of 10 year aged rum uh, all of the casks are different which is really another thing that's really interesting and weird is that they use new white oak, they use bourbon casks, they use uh, farand casks, which I'm not sure what that means. Oh, what is that? That's interesting. Uh, they use sherry casks, they use scotch casks, they use any casks they can find, basically. Um, and then once again, they're melding those together to get a specific flavor. But, I mean, what you end up with with this is a really... Uh, not super intense. I think it's a little sweet for me, but it's got a ton of complexity. Like you can really, you can't pick out those different flavors, but you can really taste that there's a lot going on in here. Um, so I'm going to take a couple sips of it and see how it pairs with this delicious cigar and uh, let you talk about your first pairing. Just have to make sure my cigar is still going. Yep, that happens to me. Uh, Chris Haskell says that I was right. The 2017 cigar. <clears throat> oh, was, yeah, was I have a shark. Um, I just always, when I, when I like commit to a fact like that, I'm like, I'm probably wrong about that one. <laughs> <clears throat> so getting to my pairings, I decided to, to do something a little bit kind of fun and different. And I, I wanted to focus you, just on one brewery. And um, it just so happened. I ended up checking them out over the weekend. And, and uh, Jason was in town. He had a 24-hour layover. So I said, hey, man, let's go check out Carton in Jersey and, and see what's new, what's exciting over there. And I ended up with um, – we, so, you know, we, we did a share. We did a couple other things. We checked it out. And I ended up with some other beers that I didn't expect to have, which was really cool. And so I wanted to kind of focus on those. 
Um, and like I said, this is Carton Brewery. It's in the Atlantic Highlands of New Jersey. And the first beer of the night for me is going to be something called Smell Like I Sound, which is this funky, like, weeded Imperial Pale Ale, 8% alcohol. Uh, and this is a collaboration project. This is their, uh, it's called it the On the Road Series. Is it a collaboration with... Uh... With Two Roads? Oh, okay. No? I, I was going to ask if it was a collaboration with... Uh... Oh, my God, I can't believe... Who sings Hungry Like the Wolf? Duran Duran. Oh, Duran Duran. I thought it was going to be a, a collaboration with Duran Duran. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I'd, I'd probably pick it up anyway. <coughs> uh, and I'll get into that in, in a minute, but it is Two Roads. It's part of their new On the Road series where they go out there, they brew the beer on site with them, uh, can right. it over there, and then they bring it back home and they kind of share. And, and the idea is that they wanted to focus a little bit on the kind of the nuances of their water profile, their brew house process, and uh, do some fun stuff together, which I think is, is pretty awesome. Um, but I wanted to give you guys a little bit of history on, on Carton. It doesn't come up very often on the show, but often enough. And it's been a while since I've had any Carton beer. Yeah, it, it's probably been like six or eight months since Easily. last had Carton. Easily. It's, been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I, had, you know, I took a little break. Uh, but these guys opened up in 2011 in a really tiny – it's hard to describe unless you've been there and seen it. Uh, just about 5,000 square feet facility. So it's pretty small. Old building. I believe it was a, um, a tent factory, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> like late – 1800s probably early 1900s tent factory um but since then it's insane they've expanded easily double that their new brew house is right next door and it's weird because they're across the street from a school like an elementary school which is it's kind of not not expecting you know coming from new york seeing all the crazy Mm -hmm. laws they are across the street from a school and on the other side of the of of their i I am a a little surprised that's not illegal but i I I guess they got around that zoning house is there then uh, maybe maybe it's okay because the cops are keeping an eye on them. I guess. Uh, but, yeah, so the courthouse is on the opposite side of that. And the new facility is insane. Uh, and they do we did a tour really early, right? Well, it they close at like 8 p.m. or something, I think. I'm I feel like I remember reading it's, it's 8. It's either 8 or it's 10. I don't recall. But you know, generally. That's pretty, that's pretty early for a, a brew house. Or brew yeah, house, man. Well, whatever. you know, they don't serve food or anything like that. It's It's just. Uh, and it's personal mm-hmm. preference for them, but they only do uh, tasters. They don't do um, full oh, pours. So Once I, in a while, they'll do a, an eight-ounce pour of something that, really special. You know, that could be part of it then. That could be – that could have to do with the school because it's possible that uh, they got some special zoning uh, exception. Well, I asked, I asked about that, and they said there's no rule for that. that. Okay. Weird. But I don't know. You know, it's, It, it it's, seems it's like they fun. really don't want people getting wasted at their at their bar. Oh, you can easily get wasted if you spend two hours there sipping on those, like, 12% tasters. You'd be surprised. Uh, so here's the deal with these guys. They open up this new facility, this new brew house. It's already going. Uh, they're going to be canning directly out of there. That system should be up pretty soon, which is cool. And I didn't realize this until this weekend. We did a tour. And uh, it's it's three floors. You, you really don't think about this, but it's three floors. They have a massive elevator. And so Man, that's got to be a logistical shop. nightmare. Oh, dude, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, they got a retail shop. They're going to have a new tasting room there opening hopefully pretty soon. Um, they have a really cool kind of big window in front of the canning system. So if you're walking down the street, you can peer in and check it out. Uh, it's kind of fun. And uh, the old facility is is being transitioned to uh, basically a sour house, complete sour sour beer saison house. Um, and they have a fodder or fooder, I should say. It's uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things, but – 
They call it a fooder, and it's this giant barrel. That's a, that, yeah, I was going to say that's a giant barrel, right? It's basically a giant barrel uh, used for – lately it's been used in the, in, in the beer industry for a lot of sour and funky beers uh, just because it has that higher um, uh, beer-to-wood ratio. So you can kind of really control the development of that beer over time. You can introduce oxygen and control that a little bit. It's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I would think you can also. It's it's probably also got the advantage of not adding too much wood character to beer because that's a thing. Like that, that's part of the reason you very rarely see a beer that's aged more than a couple months in wood. And with a fodder, you can age it a year or years without overpowering the flavor. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's this actually pretty small. It's it's only thirty barrel fodder, uh, but the largest one I found this out. Only 30, but the largest one in the world uh, is in France. It's no longer in use, but at, at one point it held uh, up to a million liters. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot. And it wasn't made for beer. It was used for this this aperitif. It's called burr, which is not beer, but burr. It's close. Yeah. Um, which is this funky like wine-based aperitif with uh, quinine in it. So we, we've talked a lot about... Uh, liquid volumes before about you know how much output a brewery has how much output a distillery has that's more than most scotch distilleries could make in an entire year <laughs> yes of of an aperitif of all things which i didn't yeah. realize it was that popular but dude it took over 18 years and 200 trees to build this thing so <laughs> put that imagine the size of that barrel but enough about that let me let me quickly go through this beer um it's a weeded imperial pale ale uh, kind of cool, kind of different. It's it's got a lot of different kind of things in it. It's it's unmalted wheat, obviously, but flaked oats and acidulated oats rather than an acidulated malt. So it helps to balance out, drop that pH a little bit. You get a little bit more um, body out of it. You know, it it gives it a totally different characteristic. And as you can see, it's it's what it looks like is exactly what it tastes like. I mean, it's this is orange juice effectively. It's wild, man. So I guess this is their new kind of orange uh orange craze that they're going for obviously cardin loves orange the color um and they're now i think trying to incorporate that as an ingredient or a flavor profile of, of their beers that's kind of cool uh evan kershner wants to know how many freedom gallons that giant photor is that's about 265 million gallons or 200 sorry no no no, no. <laughs> 265,000 gallons definitely not 265 yeah. million um i had millions on the brain apparently Man, this this rum I feel like is better every time I drink it. I don't know if that's my palate or if it just I I'm better at pairing it now. Um, but like I said, it's got so much depth. There's a lot of barrel bitter to it. So if you really don't like that like bitterness that you get from aging in wood, um, that a, a lot of whiskeys are able to cover that up. Um, most rums don't age long enough or don't age in charred enough barrels. Um, but this one's got a lot of that. It's got a lot of that like charred bitterness to it from the barrel. Um, but I kind of really like that. I kinda, yeah, I kind of, I kind of like that. How that bitterness kind of sticks to your palate a little bit, right in the center of your tongue is where I feel it. Um, but then it's got like this massive sweetness to it, which normally I wouldn't like, but I feel like it actually goes really well with the spice of this cigar. And it actually, it reminds me a little bit of when we were in Dominican Republic last week, and Phil was like schooling us and pairing. Uh, with that coffee, because it, would, it really it amps up my the mind. sweet. Like the sweetness of the cigar is like tenfold now uh, after taking a sip of this whiskey, which you would think it's the opposite, but somehow uh, your palate changes a little bit. And I'm also notice noticing that I'm salivating like crazy. I'm not sure if that's the 
cigar or the rum. I've I've so I've been salivating since the very beginning. I really think it is the cigar. <laughs> it could be. Um, it's definitely got like a lot of times I'll get that kind of salivating feeling from something that's got like this kind of like dry spice like this has, where it's kind of almost a dusty flavor to it, but then it's got spice and a little bit of like a sour citrus note, yeah. like lemon juice. How's your first pairing going? I like it. It's a little bit confusing. I've been sipping on the beer since before the show started, and um, it need, I think I need a little more time to figure out kind of where it sits, but I definitely notice immediately that smoothness to it, that really intense, the wheat, of course, the oats. With, with that much oat uh, in the bill, it's it's really kind of softened up a lot. Yeah, you, you don't see a lot of IPAs with oat at all. It's it's pretty rare these days. Um, even weeded IPAs are pretty pretty rare. And it's got some wild hops in it too, man. There's galaxy, there's mosaic, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but it's markedly but different kinda, than a lot of Cardin beers, and of course that's you know obviously it it is has a lot to do with the water profile being out of town, uh, made in someone else's house, and I I think that's cool. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, Carton has always been good at like making a recipe that sounds like it couldn't possibly work on paper. And then when you taste it, it's like, wow, that actually is, is yeah. really good. Uh, Evan Kirshner says the cigar is confusing because for him it changed about every six. I could see that because it, it's had yeah. a lot of transition already. We're about um, – I'm just reaching the end of the first third. And like I said, I, that could be more the cigar than it is the um, spirit that I'm drinking. But like that sweetness really picked up um, you know, halfway through the first third. Oh, no, I'm definitely getting sweetness as well. And so did the that uh, citrus note wasn't there before either. Are you getting that? Like the lemon, citrus lemon juice? Okay. Uh, I mean, to be honest, this is going to sound really stupid and crazy, but, you know, it's all subjective. So keep that in mind when I say mm-hmm. this. It reminds me of uh, a Nathan's hot dog. Not with anything on it, just the hot dog itself. No bread or, or sauerkraut or whatever. Just the hot dog itself. That kind Does of it like. got that snap? <laughs> It does have that snap. I don't know what it is, man. It's it's that like kind of grilled hot doggy kind of funk to it. You know, I th- I think there is a bit of that that I I wasn't really picking up on, or at, at least wasn't wasn't really identifying. There's definitely a little bit of that like char. That's what it is. Okay, yeah, probably that's if for some reason for me personally char. reminds me of Nathan's, but it's definitely a meaty char. I could I could see that. Um, we're going to stop for a moment to thank our first sponsor of the evening. The segment is brought to you by our friends over at the Cigar Federation store. Um, they just released a new color project called the Cray Cray today. Um, I haven't smoked the new release yet, but the, the last release of that particular blend was awesome. Um, so go check them out if you haven't already. All right, I'm getting ready to taste my second pairing of the evening. Whoa, which smells very fruity, like almost like peach strawberry kind of fruity, maybe a little raspberry. Um, this is Zafra 21. Uh, this is Zafra Master Reserve, they call it. Um, it's distilled from molasses in Panama and aged in bourbon barrels uh, for 21 years. As we know, there's not as much regulation on the age statements when it comes to rum, so it's possible that it didn't spend quite that much time. Um, but that's what they say. They say that this is actually a 21-year a lot of times you'll see stuff like I talked about with the last with the plantation where uh, they kind of give a rough estimate of how old it is. But really, it's, you know, there's a range to it. Uh, this one just says 21 years. So I don't know if that's if it's more of like a uh, single age 
kind of thing or if it's you know there's no way to know with rum whether it's a minimum a maximum or a, a single age yeah it's always tough to tell but uh yeah i don't have a whole lot of information on zafra as i've talked about before i know that their uh master blender used to be the master blender at um club havana, uh, havana club my, my brain's all over the place today um but he used to be the master blender at havana club and then uh, when he left Havana Club and left Cuba, um, they picked him up, and he's now the master blender for them, um, which probably means that it's not quite all 21 year, even if it is like a minimum age or something like that. Uh, comes in at 40%. It's described as fruity and woody. Uh, I know just like a little background. I know like by by three different associations. I know some. I know of somebody who. Uh, I think it's the guy who started the company or something like that. I know Barry Stein uh, knows somebody who knows somebody kind of thing. But uh, this is specifically intended more as a bourbon drinker's kind of rum. You know, which if you're aging it for 21 years in bourbon barrels, there's going to be a lot of bourbon influence. Likely, yep. Um, but that, that's how I've heard it described <clears throat> by a couple of people is, is more of a bourbon drinker's rum. Um, so I'm going to see how it pairs with this EP Carrillo and let you talk about your next pairing. So mine is going to be, of course, as we mentioned before, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it is a Cardin beer. This is the second kind of beer. I, I haven't looked up how many they have in this series. Uh, I, I believe these are the first two right now. Um, and, and this one is going to get some attention probably from Bear because it does have lactose. Uh, and it, it's kind of interesting. So it's called, this beer rhymes with orange. <laughs> what rhymes and with orange? I... You know, I was thinking about that, and and, and they, they really don't offer any any guidance on uh, kind of what they meant with that, But and that's okay. Uh, with this, what they wanted to do was really continue that whole orange thing I mentioned earlier and, and bring out that, you know, those, those kind of uh, the essence of the peel, really, that slight bitterness, that citrusy funk that, you know, to me, I call it a funk. It's really not. Um, but this is a lactose and oat imperial pale ale. Looking kind of similar to the last one, maybe a little bit more refined. As you notice, I haven't even sipped on it yet. Not much. That that glass is filled to the brim. Mm. As you said, that I spilled it all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it it's cool. Let me let me talk to you a little bit about the grist of this. This is this kind of cool. So there's pale malt, uh, bow pills, wheat malt, oat malt, flaked oats, acidulated honey malt which is kind of in that vein of what the previous beer had, which was acidulated oats, mm -hmm. and then, of course, lactose. The yeast profile on these is exactly the same. Uh, it's a New England. They don't say what, but they do say it's a New England yeast. Um, and the hops for this are a little bit different. This is Citra Nugget Mosaic and Idaho 7. And to me, that's kind of a sticking point, very interesting point. Idaho 7 has this weird, uh, to me at least, it has this like earthy kind of black tea pine to it. There's some citrus, but it's mostly mostly earthy, um, and and kind of what you would imagine if you've taken some orange peel and you've steeped it in, in tea for a while, and then you take it out and you have that kind of almost just the essence of it. That's what it it provides to me. Uh, and the lactose, I have to say, it it really works. It's not overdone by any means. It's so subtle. Which is that that's uh, Evan Kirshner's already in the <laughs> in the comments talking about lactose. If Bear was here, of course he'd be talking about it. But that's always your thing. Whenever you talk about lactose, it's not that you hate lactose. It's that you hate that it's overdone because yes. everybody just piles in lactose until it's all you taste. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't mind it. I think it's a it's a really useful tool, uh, but it has to be well balanced, right? If if the lactose takes away from the the hop profile, 
it doesn't matter what, especially when you talk about IPAs, double IPAs, whatever, um, the juicy, the really juicy stuff. You want those hops. I want to taste the hops. I want to enjoy yeah. what that has to offer. You put lactose in it, and it, it, it kind of rounds out those edges and softens them up. Um, and in this case, I think they did a fantastic job balancing that. Awesome. All right. Well, the Zafra for me is not working out. Uh, Jose wants to know if it's similar to Diplomatico from DR. I think it's actually more full-bodied than Diplomatico. It's got a lot more. Um, there's a lot more bitterness to this than I remember. Actually, it's got a lot of that barrel bitter, uh, even more than the last one. Um, and then it's got a little bit of spice, a little bit of sweetness. Um, it's a good mix of flavors. And it really does have uh, a good mix between the rum flavors, molasses kind of flavor, the uh, the fruitiness, and the spice kind of uh, woody flavors of a bourbon. Uh, it's got a good mix of those, but I think it's just overpowering the cigar. It's just completely getting strong-armed. Um, and as we know from, as I talked about before, our experience with Phil, um, like it's very possible to have something you think would overpower and doesn't which is what i'm hoping happens with my last pairing because if it doesn't it's gonna be a terrible pairing and i'm just gonna be drinking plantation rum all night and speaking of phil thanks to him now i am i am more often going to be adding not a spirit not coffee or beer but um sparkling water but sparkling water i went to the grocery store yesterday and when i when i woke up this morning i thought I forgot to buy sparkling water from the grocery store yesterday because I really do want to start incorporating it, it, it into my, my mind. Even if it's not a pairing in itself, I want to start using it more as a palate cleanser. Yeah, because uh, it really it was unbelievable difference. It was fun, that, and that was uh, that was a really cool show. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't already, go back and check that one out. Episode one eighty four uh, of sharing our pairings with yeah. Phil. Straight. The from audio the, was a little bit rough. Factory. Yeah, that, but, that audio didn't turn out great. You know, we had a lot going on, and and uh, you know, of course, it it you can still enjoy it. I think. Yeah. Despite the audio issues. Yeah, and uh, just to update Dennis and to tell everybody the little story, uh, my light disappeared on the way some somewhere between my house and when we got to the Dominican Republic. My the light that I've got right up here disappeared. Um, I bought a new one since then. Uh, I still don't know exactly what happened to it. I thought I might have like taken it out of my bag oh, at Ann's house because I stayed at our friend Ann's house uh, while I was at, I had a layover in Miami, but he couldn't find it, and it, it wasn't in my bag, and it wasn't at home. The only thing I can think of is I think I don't I can't remember which airport it was now. I think it was Washington D.C. that I was going through. It might have been Miami, but I remember the duffel bag that I had it in was like slightly unzipped when it came through the X-ray. And I was like, that's weird. And then just left. And now I think, I wonder if they took that out to like put it through and just didn't say anything. And then it just sat there until they were like, oh, I guess nobody wants this and threw it in the garbage or something. You know, that's a good story. I, I What I'd like to think happened is that you had such a great time smoking and drinking with On and the rest of the guys at Caribbean that uh, at some point you wanted to use the light and you took it out and forgot about it and went to sleep and it's somewhere floating around the streets of Miami right now, being used for all kinds of uh, nefarious purposes. Nefarious purposes. Uh, that's also a possibility, but I don't think <laughs> so, just because I had the cables locked away. They were locked ah, okay. up in my hard case, um, but the light just didn't fit in there. But, you know, whatever. It happens. How's how's your pairing going there? I'm liking it. Honestly, the, the smoothness of the beer and the lactose with this cigar... We talked about the sweetness coming in right now. You're getting into the second third of the cigar. The spices died down. The sweetness is really coming out. 
And the beer is working really well with that. And I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I expected nothing out of this beer, only because pale ales, heavily hopped beers tend to be really tough with cigars, right? We talk about that all the time. Um, And I was really pleasantly surprised by that. It's, It's working very well so far. Uh, I just got a, a flavor, like, right as you were saying that, it, like, hit me. You can probably see it on my face if, if you go back and, like, replay 10 seconds ago. Um, I've never tasted this in a cigar before. It tasted, it reminded me of artificial peach flavor. Like, you know, like, peach bubble gum or peach mm. candy? How it's got, like, that weird, like, totally definitely not peach or so peachy it doesn't taste like peach kind of flavor? I got that suddenly, and now I can't find it again. But it, like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was weird. We're talking like uh, those products you can buy in the in the grocery store, flavored of peach that you can possibly smoke. Yeah, or or yeah, yeah, that's a that's a exactly yeah, like a, a peach cigar or something. A peach Smoking switch. implement of peach, some yeah. kind. But now I'm not getting it anymore. Maybe it was that it almost went out or something. Uh, it was weird. Evan Kirshner says guava, which oh, is, is very right. close. Guava is very right. close to artificial peach. They're very similar flavors. This is so. why I don't eat guava. Man, I feel like less of an idiot now <laughs> <laughs> for just pulling that flavor out of nowhere all of a sudden. And someone gave a sad face, but I don't know why. Um, all right, I'm going to move on to my last pairing here. Um, I'll talk about it, and then we'll go into our final break. Uh, so this is something I actually brought a can in this, smuggled a can into the Dominican Republic. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was me. I accidentally gave a sad face. I don't know why. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, wow, what are we doing wrong here? Um, got that awesome artwork on the can. That's so, so th- cool. This is from Astoria with Love, which is from one of my favorites. They've been on the show a million times. Fort George Brewery located in Astoria, with Oregon, um, which I always bring up as the oldest settlement west of the Rockies. It was briefly named uh, Fort George, which is where they get the name of this uh, brewery from. Uh, during the, was it the Spanish-American War? I forgot already. It was either the Spanish-American or the War of 1812. I believe it was the Spanish-American War. Um, when it was under the control of King George for a brief period of time. Uh, a story I would love is interesting, and I, I caught a lot of flack for this when I was trying to explain it to Jean-Michel. Uh, but it's interesting because it was brewed as a um, as a beer that was intended to be barrel-aged. Uh they they brewed the beer. They barrel aged it. Uh, it's called Matryoshka. Did I say that right, or is it Matryoshka? Well, Matryoshka. 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 <laughs> you close. Uh, so it was brewed to create Matryoshka, and uh, which came out <laughs> I, I think 2015 was the first release, maybe 2014. Um, but that's a barrel aged Russian imperial stout that they make at Fort George. Comes out every Novemberish, um, and. They decided within the last couple of years to release that beer unaged, um, which the first time I tried it, I really thought it felt like it was missing something. It reminded me of uh, of a barrel aged beer that was missing that like extra amped up sweetness from the bourbon and that like uh, richness that you get from the barrel aging. But I, I think I've come around on it because I'm liking it a lot more this time. And I liked it a lot more the other day when we drank it. Um, but this is a 9.4% uh, Imperial Rus- Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, I want to look at the can here and see if it says, because on the website it says zero IBUs, which I feel like can't po- be possible. Um, but the can doesn't say anything about it. It just says, from Wash- Rush- from Astoria with Love, rather, uh, in their awesome sideways font that they like. All right, I'm going to take a couple sips, see how stout goes with this cigar. We're- I'm putting it through its paces tonight. You definitely are. 
That's cool, though. That's always fun, especially if it's the first time. You know, I, I don't know if you smoked this cigar before. It's the first time for me. Uh, yep. And it's always really cool to pair kind of different stuff and There's that see peach. Where, where the cigar is at. I just got the peach again. Um, oh, before did? I let you move on to your pairing, I'm going to take a quick break to thank our final sponsor of the evening, Drew Estate. Mmm, they good. Dennis, which Drew Estate cigar are we going to highlight this evening? I'm going back to an old favorite, Nika Rustica. How about that? There we go. There was a little talk about that while we were on the trip, but we won't talk there about was. this. Um, yeah, that's just a solid cigar, man. I just love that cigar, especially for uh, whatever it is, six, $6 for the Toro, like five fifty for that Robusto. It's a steal for, for something that's almost all Connecticut broadleaf. That sucker is a chimney, too, which I oh, love. Oops. I love the smoke production on it. Yeah, go check out Nicarustica. It's mm, they're good. It's all I have to say, man. We're going a little bit far and to the other side of the world right now with my final pairing. Uh, this is a one of many in, in a now it's a long series of releases uh, where they started with regular coffee, then they made the churro coffee, and they made all these different variants of this. Um, <clears throat> basically, it's an imperial cream ale with coffee. This one is their Which variant. is another thing that you would think would not work, but every release – I've had oh, it, it, the – It's incredible. Um, there was like a chocolate one or something that I had, and then also the churro and then the regular – the Regular churro was coffee. fun. Oh, so there there was a cake. There was a German uh yes, German that cake. Was the one. I had the German cake and the yeah. regular one and the churro. And all of them, it sounds like it's not gonna work, but it ends up being so good. It's really interesting. This is the French version of it. Uh like the others, it comes in at twelve percent alcohol, which is really intense for a cream ale. Ridiculous for um, it just it's not cream ale is not supposed to be made, I guess, at that that high of an alcohol. However, these guys found a way to really balance it nicely. Um being that it's French, there uh, you can see it there. It's, it's a little bit darker, pretty pretty clear. Um, being that it's French, they went with more of a orange brandy wood. So it's finished on orange brandy wood. Oh. In addition to the coffee. So it's kind uh, of I, they're, I don't know. they're they're finishing it like you would a cognac. Yes. Like. Yes. If effectively, um, I can't tell. You know, they on the on the um, the flavor text they they kind of talk about orange brandy and whipped cream so i don't know if they added any lactose to this probably not since they didn't list it normally they would have to and it doesn't um, have that like um anytime you add lactose you end up with kind of that hazy-ish appearance and it doesn't yes like exactly the, exactly the texture that you would expect from something with lactose so likely no um and i had this is one of the beers that i tasted over the weekend and decided hey let me get a four pack it's it's interesting for sure uh 12 is absolutely noticeable <laughs> However, it's not hot, and we talk about this a lot as well, and it's, it's really not um, a hot beer, but it is sort of, it's got that, um, I don't want to call it syrupy, but it does have that sort of extra plus body of, of sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm, uh, I'm just getting into it now, so I'm curious how it's going to go with the final third of the cigar. Yeah, you go do your pairing thing, I will talk about how mine's going. Uh, mine is going really well. I'm actually really surprised. I, once I was at about the, I don't know, end of the first third or so, I was really worried about how this pairing was going to work because I felt like this was just an intense cigar in terms of spice, um, but not super intense, not super full-bodied, and not uh, super full-flavored, really. I, I guess it is kind of full-flavored, but it doesn't have a lot of those elements that I usually think go well with a stout. Chocolate, earth. Stuff like that, like the, and I'm not talking like the dry earth that I was talking about before. Like rich, dark, wet earth is what usually I think goes really well with a stout. Um, somehow, 
it's working really well. Uh, I'm getting a lot of like, I'm getting a bitter chocolate note from the cigar now. I think Evan's spot on. Like this cigar transitions like crazy, and it just keeps changing uh, on a like on a dime. Like it just changes suddenly. Like, and the the flavor that you had before may be totally gone, and it's a totally new flavor now. Um, that sweetness that I got before is totally gone. I've now got this bitter chocolate note um, along with that intense spice that I really like. The citrus note is now gone entirely. Um, and there's a little bit of uh, like I was it reminds me of uh, like potting soil, like super mineral okay. rich earth. Um, yeah, it, it's going really well with this thing. Uh, Frankie Rodriguez wants to know what the stick is. The stick is the Ernesto Perez Carrillo Encore. Uh, it just won n- number one cigar of the year, correctly predicted by our buddy Bear um, with Cigar Aficionado. Sorry, I, I phrased that badly. It just won number one with Cigar Aficionado, as predicted by our buddy Bear. How's your last pairing going there, Dennis? It's confusing. <laughs> um, I like I like the beer. I like the cigar. I'm maybe not the best pairing, unfortunately. Um, even though it's it's kind of a thin beer, it, it's still pretty heavy on the flavor side. And while I'm in the final third of the cigar, it's still kind of overpowering just a little bit. So probably not an ideal pairing. Um, and I'm, I'm also leaning more toward the the kind of the weeded, acidulated beers that I had earlier, just because they're a lot softer. Yeah. Yeah, the, it ends up being a, a lot sharper flavor with a beer like that. One thing I'm noticing about the cigar, um, the retrohale is getting more intense. Yes. Like, the retrohale is, is crazy right now. Like, it's on the same level as, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the spiciest cigar I can think of. Like some like Don Pepin Blue kind of stuff, where or or Tatuaje, where it's like it's super spicy on the retrohale. Like this, uh, a lot of people if they retrohaled this, like their eyes might water. Like it's almost yeah. making oh, yeah. my eyes water, and I'm a retrohale fiend. Uh, Frankie yeah. Rodriguez is he gets a minerally taste from San Andreas wrappers. I do too, but more of a uh, I I get more of a like sweet spice from San Andreas. Like a really intense, sweet, earthy spice. Evan, absolutely. I, I I agree. So Evan Kirshner says, I think that the cigar changes too much for one drink pairing. And and I think that's absolutely correct. This is one of those things where either you're going to pair multiple things with this or, uh, honestly, you, you can just sit down with, with the bottle of, of sparkling water and just hang out and enjoy. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like this cigar could be enough on its own. Like, I will... I, I have to admit, I was really expecting to not be wowed by this cigar. Um, I was expecting it to be a solid cigar, but I was kind of expecting to think, you know, why would why would Cigar Aficionado pick that cigar? And now that I'm smoking it, I totally get it. It's like, like Evan pointed out, it, it just constantly changes. And it's not small incremental changes. It changes a lot. Significantly, uh, yeah. Which I'm, I'm not used to any cigar doing. There aren't a lot of cigars that I've had that, that transition this fast and this uh, significantly. And, you know, going back to what we said in the beginning of the show, those kind of Nicaraguan characteristics really pop. It's definitely an in-your-face cigar, not to say it's not refined by any means or, or anything like that. However, it really has a different quality to it than a lot of other Dominican cigars. Yeah, absolutely. And e- even a lot of Nicaraguan cigars. I mean, like we said, it's As all well, Nicaraguan yeah. tobacco. Um, so I think I think a more fair comparison for this cigar is Nicaraguan. Um, it's not blended like a Dominican. It's not blended like a Dominican cigar using Nicaraguan tobacco. Um, it doesn't taste like any kind of Nicaraguan cigar I, or a Dominican cigar I've ever had. 
Um, it's really much closer to a, a Nicaraguan than it is to a Dominican. And it is it is kind of spicy on the upper lip. I, you know, some of you may or may not understand what I'm I'm saying by that, but it has that regi- residual spice that kind of sits. If you have a mustache or anything, like that, it kind of sits there. I was ready to call you crazy, but I think I kind of know what you mean. Like right here, it's there, man. You look, you look your mustache a little bit upper lip, and and you kind of pick that up. Mm. Man, I I'm just blown away by the cigar. I wasn't expecting it to like it. I was not expecting to like it as much as I do. Uh, it's it's really good. And I'm going to need to find more of them. Uh, and like, like I said before, they're tough to find right now because of because of yeah. the yeah. the number one win with Cigar Aficionado. That every year, that whatever cigar is number one, you could make it a, I mean, anything. No matter what it was, no matter how many they make, it would be impossible to find yes. January, February, March of that same year. And it's it ends up being like, uh, you know it puts it on people's radar. So it doesn't just end up being the first couple months that it's hard to find. It ends up being hard to find for a long time. Uh, like what's still going on two years later with the Andalusian bull. Oh yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm still salivating like crazy too. It's making it hard to talk. <coughs> That's a smoky sucker too. I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. It really does smoke like a chimney. All right. I'm going to go back through my pairings here because now I'm really curious what the other one's going to taste like. Evan says Kells has them in downtown Portland. Um, if I if I make the Kells anytime soon, I'll grab a couple there. Man, I think I just got another transition. I don't know if it was the beer. How far down are you now? I'm wondering if we're around the same now. Yeah, it looks like we are. I've already taken off my band, but yeah, just about. Um, I, I moved my band up because I would have hit it by now. Um, it just lost all spice entirely on the palate. There's something else going on with this scarf for I'm sure. I'm still You're getting right. like that bitter chocolate note that I talked about before, but the spice just disappeared. Uh, I wonder if... If a little bit of rum will bring it back. So now, after after drinking the beer, which is is uh, significantly lacking in sweetness, the the first rum, the Plantation XO from Barbados Rum, or actually, I guess it's the Barbados Rum from Plantation. I don't know. I'm not sure how their branding works. It's very confusing. Uh, but either way, uh, it the the sweetness of that rum is really amped up now compared to when I first started drinking it tonight when. I was saying that it wasn't as sweet as I remembered. Now it's like candy sweet. Even on the retro hail, the the spice is like on its way out. It's still got like an intense burn, but it's not the like black pepper that it was before. It's more like it reminds me of wasabi now, where it like kind of lights up your sinuses, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't have that like spicy texture. I guess I don't. I'm I'm like struggling with words to describe it right now. It's so weird. I really feel like that that mushroom quality is really coming back. Yeah, that those, earthy, dirty mushroom quality. I completely agree with that. Um, and the man, I, I'm just like I'm thrown by the cigar because it just keeps changing so much. There's so much going on. In this it's thing. really weird. I didn't realize that it would be like this, and I'm just staggered by it. It's so bizarre. It's a really pleasant surprise for me as well. And I, you know, I kind of came into it not having any of these before. This being the first time, I came into it not expecting much and really not knowing what to expect. Yeah, um, I came in like I know that it got number one. I'm kind of making a point to when I when I haven't smoked a cigar, I just try not to read reviews in depth. Yeah. and like I try I not to understand what it's going to taste like until I've tasted it myself. And then after I've tasted it, I'll start reading reviews and I'll be like, okay, so I agree with that part. I don't agree with this guy. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about, kind of thing. Um, but I'm I'm just thrown by the cigar because I came in like I said with almost no expectations, and I'm I'm just blown away by it. I expected it to be good. That's it. That's the only expectation I had. 
All right, I'm going to move on to the Zafra here. Yeah, so that that one definitely has a way more intense barrel bitter kind of flavor to it um, compared to the Plantation. Mm. Yeah, that, that French coffee is really... It's, it's really reminding me mm-hmm. of like a... Like, have you ever had a Davidoff 702? Yeah. It reminds me of that, where it's like a really elegant, refined mushroom kind of flavor. Mm. Okay. There's not a lot of spice. There's not a lot of sweetness. Um, it's kind of an, an intense... A single note that has some background flavor that you can't identify. Man, Definitely I refined. I, I can absolutely agree with that. Well, and like five minutes ago when we were talking about how spicy it was, it was like totally what I would describe as brash, like not refined at all. Like just an intense spice that would turn people away. And now it's lost all that spice somehow. It's crazy. I can't believe this cigar, man. I got to track down a box of these. I want to figure it out. I want to decode the puzzle. I'm still going through that that heaviness that I got from that last beer, and it's sitting so heavy in my stomach that I'm 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 trying to <laughs> kind of readjust in a sense. <laughs> that that may have actually broken me. That was kind of the, the kind of the the limit, a little bit too much flavor, too much going on with the beer, and and now and, your palate uh, is jacked. My palate's a little bit jacked. Yeah. Have some uh, some sparkling water. Well, if I had any, I would absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, it's about time to wrap up the Armed Forces Radio Network segment of the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate guys out there doing the things we're not built to do and protecting our freedoms. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. We're going to have Oliver Nevada on the show from uh, United Tobacco. We're going to be talking Atabay. We're going to be talking Byron. We're going to be talking Firecrackers. Uh, it's going to be a fun show, so make sure to tune in. And remember, as always here on Sharing Our Pairings, we want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less. All right, we're back. Uh, this is now the After Dark segment where we just can shoot the shit and say fuck as much as we want and just hang out. Um, I'm still in awe of this cigar. It's it's just so different from what I expected. I'm really trying to enjoy I this was, cigar. I was going to say, it, you look like that 12% just hit. Uh, I, well, you know, it's not the alcohol that, that's that's bugging me. It's like I feel like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I feel like I'm going to fucking explode, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> Because it's not overly effervescent or anything like that, but the that like syrupy intenseness. Not not oh, to say yeah. that it's a bad beer. It's a cool beer, um, but even twelve ounces of it is really tough yeah, to I drink mean, in one sitting. When you're drinking a beer that's got six hundred calories in a can, it can really hit you right in the gut. Yeah, and I've you know I've, I've been eating I've been eating really clean lately and and trying to kind of reduce alcohol consumption and all that good stuff and. I drink this thing. It's like, whoa. You know, I, I, wasn't, like a gonna, roller coaster. I wasn't gonna bring it up because I hadn't really it hadn't really occurred to me to bring it up on the show. But like it just occurred to me yesterday how clean we eat when we're in Nicaragua or Dominican Republic. Yeah. Like, absolutely. All we're eating is meat and rice and vegetables. Uh and once in a while something that's a little bit fried, but for the most part, you know, it's it's traditional old school kind of food. And now I've been home and I've been eating like chicken nuggets with the kids and pasta and stuff like that. And like sugary, su- like I had a yeah, steak refined, the other day. Refined stuff. Yeah, that was super like sugary corn syrupy kind of sauce on the steak. And like I was like, man, my stomach doesn't feel great. And it's probably because I've been eating American yeah. food instead of Dominican. Nothing beats that ceviche from the gas station. Honestly, oh, that was the best ceviche I've had in my life. It was a gas station. It was a it was a, a auto body and it, shop. And it it was a it was like it was a pound of ceviche for like eight bucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really R.G. Evan Kirshner wants to know who won the alchemy. Bob Dog Langmaid won. Um, 
that dude wins everything. He, every time he's he's the winner. It seems like he's just constantly winning stuff. He's he, he's got a skill in life, and his skill is to win contests. I don't know how he does it. Oh, and I I did um I did want to point out. So Vincent Scarduzio, thank you again for always dropping the knowledge on us. Oh uh, yeah, always. Brand is a cognac, uh, is yep. what he said. That dude knows everything. I feel like it's crazy. Every every yeah. show there's like some, I mean, some nugget of knowledge. Calm down. He knows everything about alcohol. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, if if it's related to alcohol, he knows. It. <laughs> That's a whole lot. So we appreciate it. Thank you again. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank we're you. we're That's, always learning. That was why I I forgot to bring it up again. But while you were talking about your first pairing and how it paired when I was taking a couple sips, um, I just kind of went, "Thank you, Vincenzo." And that was why. <laughs> I like this cigar. I I, uh, I I came into it kind of uh, really not expecting a whole lot, I, not knowing what to expect, and kind of like, oh yeah, I guess it's a number one cigar of the year, but it's all it's all subjective. So who knows? Um, I don't know if it's my number one cigar of the year. However, I do like this a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's it's definitely not the number one cigar of the year for me. Um, I think that we nailed it with our uh, Hoya de Nicaragua um, Cinco de Caras, but it is really good and really different. And like at this point, we're we're kind of in the last third, just hitting the last third, yeah. I guess. It reminds me of something very specific, which is something I wouldn't even eat on a good day. But sometimes I taste things in cigars that I wouldn't want to eat anyway, um, or or in spirits for that matter. It reminds me of a dried and completely obliterated in a blender mushroom where it's like so powdery that it dries your palate out a little bit yeah uh, i can see that like like if you ground up mushrooms into the consistency of cinnamon uh that's what it reminds me of. and actually a little bit of cinnamon i think about it and then uh, uh some like finely ground white pepper how you don't get like how you get that like kind of wasabi heat on your tongue but it doesn't work its way into your sinuses at all um so you've you've just described um a sauce that i will probably end up making for uh some stewed rabbit so thank you it's a good that's a good recipe idea i'm gonna try that it sounds awesome but i think that would fit rabbit really well uh chris haskell says cinco de Cadiz is awesome but the encore is my top five of 2018 um i think it would be in my top five too if i'd smoked it i think this is going to be a contender for in the top five uh for 2019 for us because yeah. because as i talked about we like as we've talked about a nauseum, we're now open to the two-year window for stuff like this that came out in 2018, but we didn't get a smoke a chance yeah. to smoke it before our list was up. With our previous rules, it would have been out of luck. But yeah, um, this might be the best cigar I've smoked in 2019, actually. And I smoked that Winston Churchill uh, on Monday, the new limited edition one. Oh yeah, I saw that picture. So you know. Yeah, and, and happy birthday again. Um, hopefully, it, based on the pictures, it looked like you had a great day. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Had a little bit of time to yourself to just kind of relax and unwind. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really have that, but you know that's the way it goes when you have a family. Um, I smoked a couple cigars during the work day. I made it like oh man, I made it like a half an inch into the new um, Tabernacle Connecticut Habano, which was fantastic. But then I had to go. We went to dinner. We went to a movie, and then when I got home, I finished it. And, you know, a cigar is never the same six hours later. Uh, but Yeah, that's always uh, tough. Uh, Chris Haskell says, well, the number yeah. two and three from point. Top 25 came out in 2017. He doesn't think Cigar Aficionado always picks brand new cigars. They do They do not. They have no limit. 
the only limitation for them is it has to have scored over a 90 and it has to have been smoked and reviewed by either Cigar Aficionado or Cigar Insider during the the year, the calendar year. Um, so what that what what that means, like a cigar that came out in 1982 could win. But, you know, that's that's just how they do their list. Uh, a lot of times their number one or number two has been something that's been out for 10 years. Um, but they happen to smoke a really good example of it that year, which is why I'm not I don't super love their uh, their methods, because sometimes you end up with stuff on the list that's not even relevant anymore. Um, but that hasn't happened recently as much. I feel like recently they've been a lot better about picking new cigars that have made an impact rather than something that they've smoked a hundred times. Like, you know, uh, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but for years, like Opus X was always in the top five and it was yeah. like, okay, we get it. You like Opus X. Just, they're just putting a different Vitola in the top five every year. Um, but they, they seem to have shied away from that a little bit. Um, <laughs> Chris Haskell says, Every Oliva Serie V size has made the top 10 in the last five, six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Stuff yeah. like that. Where it's not new at all. It's stuff that people have been smoking, and you can even get on sale these days. But, you know, they like it enough that they just keep putting it on the list. Uh-oh. I talk too much. My cigar went out. Um, yeah, went out. So we got these, we got these, uh, these lighters. Remember that one, Dennis, that we oh, got yeah. from at the last party? I decided to take the sticker off. And it's Palio's new lighter. Um, so Palio, they were acquired by, uh, who is it? Quality Importers in 2016, yes. 2017. Um, I, I was a huge mm-hmm. fan of their cutter back in the day. Um, they had some issues over the years with the, the quality of the blades and how thin they were. Um, I've still got a cutter inside that I think I bought it in 2008. And every couple of years, I would, I would have it replaced because at one point, the carbon fiber finish was chipping off at one point the blades fell apart um and they were always good about it and then uh they started having these issues where every time you know six months down the road they would i would get a chip in the blade and so i kind of gave up on it and then they sold to quality importers this is their first lighter that they've released since being sold um and i was actually reading a little bit about it and i think it's interesting that it is specifically designed to have advertising space because it's got you know it's it's got a lot of space here, so they can either paint it or put a sticker on it like they did for a Pro Cigar, which I think is kind of interesting. It's a it's a decent triple flame lighter, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have, oh, you have anything else to talk about before we uh, wrap this one up, Dennis? Always. Well, we, get the, we have the um, – uh, see, my mind just blanked out. We, we have the show coming up to, to kind of – Talk about the what happened in Dominican and all the yeah we'll do all that the next fun Thursday. exciting stuff that'll be really cool I'm I'm looking forward to that um, yeah man I'm I'm still in Dominican time I'm just just know, right? kind of I'm in that mode you know it's hard to get out of that mode once you're all right guys we'll wrap this one up thank you everybody for watching uh, Chris Haskell says he's smoking an EPC right now his favorite of the last few releases the La Historia I haven't smoked the La Historia yet I really need to. Um, yeah, I do. I think as I well. might have one in my humidor, so maybe I'll smoke that this week. Um, but thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll talk to you guys on the next one. Remember, tomorrow night we'll have Oliver Navad from uh, United Tobacco on, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking some fancy cigars and some uh, not quite as fancy cigars. It'll be fun. So everybody, tune in tomorrow. We'll talk to you on the next one. And thanks again for watching.